<clears throat> Up from the grave he arose. Come on, church. <laughs> With the mighty triumph for his foes. He arose, the victor of the dark domain, and he reigns forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. Oh, it is so sweet and it never gets old, does it? Good morning, church. It is great to be with you. Good morning, those that are joining us online. You better have been singing too now. If you didn't, you need to rewind. Go and sing with us because it is the Lord's Day. It is wonderful Easter Sunday where once again, no matter what we've been through in life, no matter what we've even done or what sin has entangled us or what divisive things have come across our life, we remember this is the end of our story. Remember that someone has cared for us so much that our life is eternal if we have faith in him. And that no matter what trials and tribulations we go through, the end of our story is set. And so we can have hope no matter what we're going through here and now because, as so proclaimed to us, he lives. Thank you, choir, for doing that for us this morning. Well, it is Easter Sunday, and our sermon is titled, Not Seeing is Believing. But first, let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I love the idea when the unexpected happens. I don't know if you guys like this. There's something in my personality that when spontaneous, unexpected things happen, even if they're sometimes bad, I'm like, that's actually kind of fun and cool, right? It's just actually kind of a neat thing. And one of my favorite shows to ever watch um, on any, any time frame, anywhere, anything, was the old show that's no longer with us, may peace be upon it, called Mythbusters. That's right. You, I, 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 everybody here knows Mythbusters. You know what I'm talking about, right? All right. So these were some dudes that basically got together and said, hey, there's all these phrases we have in the world. Like, let's try them out and see if we can do them. So like, if you ever wondered, needle in a haystack, for instance, how hard is it really to find a needle in a haystack? Well, these dudes said, well, let's actually do it and film it and then actually put it on TV. And so that's what they did. They would do stuff like this all the time. And oftentimes they found out just really wonderful, unexpected things. One of my unexpected things I've ever, ever seen was uh, this little experiment that I did. And this wasn't the two normal guys, you know, there was like Adam, and I, don't even, I can't even remember the other guy's name off the top of right here right now, but there was Adam and the other guy. And then there was like three other little kind of other people that they sort of were the filler parts of the show. And so they would do their own little experiment while the big experiment was going on with the two main guys. But the three, guy, the three other people, there was two guys and a girl, and they would go and just do other little fun little experiments. And so one day they decided, let's just, let's just try out this thing. Let's put a bull in a china shop, right? Let's do it. And of course, like, this was just, they knew what was going to happen. It was just going to be great TV. You're just going to watch things smash and explode. And just, you know, the American inside of us that just loves to play with firecrackers goes, yes, China exploding all over with bulls in a pen. This is great. And so, of course, that's what they do. They get a bullpen, you know, car, get the bullpen. They set up these, you know, fake little shelving units. And they go buy a bunch of cheap china, you know, and they set it all on there. And, and uh, they get this one bull just riled up, right? Ready to go, ready to go. Open up the gate. This bull just comes charging in, and you're just like, I mean, it's just, it's right going to happen. You see this thing just going, taking its horns and just going straight through those china pieces. It nimbly goes around them. It keeps running. It weaves in and out of the different china-like bookshelves, if you will, not touching a single one. And they just go, 
Well, that was unexpected. They go, all right, but this is, we're filming TV. We got to make this happen. So they're like, so they got two bulls. They're like, all right, if there's two in there, they got to dodge each other. Like, surely this is just going to be pandemonium chaos. So they send the two bulls in, right? And they're both charging, and all they did was follow each other nimbly, dodging in and out every single one of the bookshelves, touching not a single one, not even, not even like the hair on their tails even hitting the thing, right? And, uh, and so they're like, this is incredible. So they go and they're like, all right, forget this. We're going to get like five or six of these suckers. We're going to get them riled up. We're going to throw them in there. And the whole thing's going to be mass pandemonium. So they do this. They throw them in there. And they're all just running around. You can see this on TV. I mean, they're just running around like crazy. They don't touch a single thing, right? <laughs> Full in a china shop. And they go, this myth is busted. And if I remember correctly, I think one of their hooves like finally caught like a little plate and knocked it off and barely cracked the thing. And they were like, yeah! TV, it's crazy. What's going on? But there are always unexpected things in unexpected ways. And in fact, we look at this story and the unexpected, of course, happens because as you know and I know that when dead people die, or people, not dead people die because dead people are dead, but when people die and they're put in, that would be quite an amazing miracle, wouldn't it? But when people die, they stay dead, correct? Right? right? This is an assumption that I hope you've made by now. If you haven't, let me just introduce the idea to you, right? That when people die, they stay dead. And when you put them in a tomb, they stay in the tomb. And of course, what does our story tell us here today in the Gospel of John? This year I've been focusing on the Gospel of John in different ways in my own personal life. So I wanted to preach from John's version of the, the resurrection and Jesus and what happens on that day. And there were so a few things that I just kind of noticed this year that uh, God's been speaking to me that I want to share with you. And it's just amazing because, you know, John and Peter are in the story. Mary Magdalene, of course, is in the story. And all three of them fully expect Jesus to be in the tomb. Mary Magdalene gets up early, and I love it. because John, again, we talked about this morning at our sunrise service, but John actually tells us it was dark just in case you want to know, right? (laughs) And just in case you didn't know that, and so he reminds us that Mary Magdalene gets up, it's dark at night, she goes and she expects to just kind of meet the soldiers there and do that thing, and remember Jesus, cry some more. And she gets there, and as the scripture says once again, it says those words that she went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance, and of course, Jesus wasn't there. So, you and I would make the first natural correlation just like she did. Somebody has stolen the body, right? Someone's taken the body. That's exactly what she does. She comes running up. She finds uh, Peter and John who must have been hanging out, crying on each other's shoulders. And if she finds him and says, hey, he's gone. He's not there. Somebody took the body. And they go, what? And so they go running. And got the Gospel of John, he's trying to be kind of humble here. But he, he happens to mention casually that he outran Peter. Wink, wink, right? But he outruns Peter, gets to the tomb, and sees it's open, and it says that he bent down and looked in, and when he, he doesn't enter, but he looks in and he's just stuck in awe because there's something unexpected there. Because technically, the tomb, according to John, was not actually empty. You see, the tomb actually had something in it, but it was the linen strips that were used for the burial are laying there <laughs> where a body should be, Right? And he looks, and he also sees the burial shroud that goes over the head is there as well. And he's just in shock. Peter, of course, catches up. Peter sees. Peter's Peter. So Peter just walks on in. You know, why not walk into a dead person's tomb? You know, like, why, be unclean? why not be unclean and all these other ideas for the Jewish people? But he walks on in and sees what's going on. 
John says, then he goes in and he says, as he looks closer, not only are the linen strips laying there, but Jesus has done laundry. He's taken, it says specifically, the shroud that was over his head was taken and folded up and placed there. I don't know how many dead bodies you've stolen from graves, but you normally don't unwrap the linen body if you're going to do that. And you definitely don't take time to fold the burial shroud that was over the head. You know what I'm saying? Like, just doesn't come naturally to think to do that. And yet Peter and John and Mary Magdalene witnessed this extraordinary event that takes place. And I love this. They haven't seen Jesus yet, according to the Gospel of John. And it says that when John saw it, he saw these items sitting there and no Jesus. He didn't quite fully understand it, but it says these words, he believed. In other words, you and I are kind of in a culture, right, where seeing is believing, right? You got to see it to believe it. You got to see it to believe it. And of course, because how many things are so you know, fake and all those different things, and of course with wonderful AI computer imagery, you never know what's real anymore at all from a picture. You got to see it with your own eyes to believe it. And John tells us that it was what he didn't see. Matter of fact, it was not seeing in which he believed. I find that story so amazing because to put faith in something that you expect to be there and is not there, and yet Jesus hasn't even showed up yet, and of course he finally does and get the rest of the story, right, of what happens, and he shows up, meets the disciples, shows up Mary Magdalene, does all these different things, and what happens, of course one of the disciples isn't there, right, remember Thomas? We have this doubting Thomas that's not there when he shows up, and and so the, all the disciples have seen Jesus. Thomas shows up after this, after Jesus left, and they go, we saw the Lord. Thomas goes, eh, yeah, no. No, no, no. Right? And I love this dichotomy of John who sits there and just sees some strips of linen laying there, and is like, I believe in something. I don't, don't quite fully understand this, but I'm going to believe in something. And then Thomas, who's sitting there hearing the testimony of his brothers he's walked with for years now, saying, no, no, he's alive. We touched him. He's got holes in the hand. We touched him. We know he's alive. He's alive. We're telling you this. And he goes, nope, not until I see it. Of course, what happens? Jesus, as you know the rest of the story, shows up and says, hey, Thomas, put your hands in my hands. Touch the holes. And of course, Thomas exclaims, my God. And Jesus explains once again, and he tells these words that, you know, you believe because you saw me. Blessed are all those who do not see me yet believe. And it's so amazing because so many times in my life and your life, you've probably had those moments of trial, those moments of horrible things going on, and you say, God, why don't you just show up? Now, I have to admit real quickly, um, preachers love to preach, and they love Easter Sunday. I could go on for hours, but you guys smartly put all the flowers right behind me. And my nose is getting itchy, my eyes are starting to water, my voice is getting hoarser, I can tell it as a guy that was on. So we're going to have a, uh, a condensed two-hour sermon here just today, just so you know. <clears throat> but if I sneeze a couple times coming up, I apologize for the front row people here today. But as there, we're there in this idea that not, not seeing is sometimes believing. And sometimes Jesus doesn't show up the way you think he would, and so many times we go through the trials of life, and we wonder, where Jesus are you? Just show up in my life. And yet sometimes, that's exactly where the miracle takes place. 
It's not always evident that God is sometimes there. And in fact, you know, if you thought to yourselves right now, if, if Jesus came into this room and said, hey, <clears throat> disciples, I want you. You're going to go out this afternoon, skip your lunch plans. Just skip them. You're going to go out today. I want you to find some people, and I want you to tell them that I'm risen and alive. What would be your argument, right, to go and to tell somebody, right? If you stop and think about that, it's so interesting because each and every single person in this room, we have never literally seen Jesus, yet we believe. And I find it so interesting that, you know, John didn't just blindly believe, but he saw evidence. He saw enough evidence to have faith. If someone was here today and said, hey, Christian, prove your faith. What, may, what case can you make for those of us that don't believe that you should believe? You know, what would you say? What's the, what's the linens in your life? What's the shrouds in your life? And you look to you and say, oh, no, I know my Lord is risen. <laughs> I know it. Well, if you've never thought about these things, I want to just kind of maybe suggest a few to think about. And if you're here today, and especially anybody online or anybody with us that's here today, and maybe you sit here and you go, you know, this whole Christian story, it's really nice, but it's a fairy tale. Let me just poke your interest a little bit. For those here that you're just thinking about next time you're sharing with somebody and they just seem a little hostile, just some things to just prick your brain and to think about. Some linens, some shrouds that are laying in an empty tomb that you can say, well, what do you do with this? Because the dead man's not here, right? There's only really one explanation. Well, I want to just introduce you to a couple ideas. You know, the first was this this morning when we were out seeing the, the sunrise come over the, the horizon line. Have you sat in creation for a while lately? I mean, the birds were chirping. They were going to town this morning. They were singing songs of praise. It was some of the most beautiful music I've heard. I mean, choir, no offense. I mean, you guys have beautiful music. It was, yours was prettier. But I'm just saying, just sitting there and hearing it once again, and you're like, these birds are going nuts. Like, this is amazing. They're just singing out. And then the sunrise comes over, and the colors and the hues. And If our planet looked like every other planet, right, where just death was there and radiation and all these different things, I could see that. But you see life everywhere. You turn around, it just hits you in the face. And the beauty of it alone, it makes you wonder. There's at least some linens laying there to say, hey, you know what? Maybe this God does exist. Or maybe there's someone in your life who you really respected. And they were a believer, and they lived it out. You know, it's so funny because most of the time when I talk to people and their story of how they became a, a, you know, a believer in Jesus Christ, it's almost always because they knew someone that was so meaningful to them and lived the life and just had such a joy in their life. They were like, I got to have what they have. I got to have it. And in fact, that's the very person that led them to Jesus Christ in, in so many ways. But maybe you have someone in your life that you respect enough and believe there's something different about them and you were like, I just got to have it. Well, there's your evidence right there. What was so attractive about them? What was so enamoring about them? What was something inside them that you needed? There's some linens laying there. Or, of course, we have Scripture, and even though people would try to write it off, but just think about this. This is, this, this is not just a book, right? This is not just a book. Just a reminder, this is a collection of books from multiple languages, from multiple centuries, like tens of thousands of centuries, writing in this book of different people in different places. Sometimes they were feasting. Sometimes they were in famine. Sometimes they were free. Sometimes they were enslaved. Sometimes God was doing amazing things. Sometimes they wondered where God was. Yet this is a complete story 
of all these different eyeballs, all these different hearing you know, ears, and all these people, hearts that had lived, and they testify, God is real, God was in my life, God showed up, I want you to know enough about it that I wrote it down so you could read it. Right? And even though there's tension in Scripture of some of these verses that talk and kind of go back and forth with each other, but there's still a grand witness. And when you look at these four Gospels, they tell the story of Jesus and his resurrection. That's evidence number one. Then you got you know, 24 other books of the Bible in the New Testament that not only proclaim that Jesus is raised from the dead, but you should go out and do something about it, right? And then you've got the other Old Holy Testament books that are there that basically, if you ever just read through them, you're going to see Jesus left and right. I mean, they foretell this story of Jesus Christ over and over and over again. How does all that come about? You see, there's a witness and a lying there on the grave. Or one of these other things is, you know what, you can always just put into practice his teachings and try them out. Jesus had a lot of, hey, do this. Try it out. If there's blessing, there might be something there. Or finally, and most importantly for today, if Jesus is alive, it means he's alive. And if he's alive, then he has conquered death. We should probably have the power to do anything he wants. And in fact, when you read his teachings, he promises something. And he says, you know what? I want to be part of your life. I came to bring redemption to all people. In fact, maybe the most amazing thing that you can always point to is the fact that only Jesus is alive is this crazy idea. And I know it's super crazy for anybody in here who struggles with is God real or not. But it's this idea is not just to know that God is real, but you can know him as in have a relationship with him. As in you can pray and feel like someone's on the other end of the phone call. You can have God's Spirit live in your heart. You can have this idea of the Holy Spirit working through you, enabling faith actions in your life to do amazing things. And faith enables this. See, Christians, Jesus is alive. Maybe one day he'll just walk through these doors, show up. But until then, you have linens, you have shrouds, you have enough to believe, you have enough to follow. And so as Jesus is alive here today, let us do our best to once again proclaim this great story, live it out, and share his love with all people of every place and every time. Let us pray. God, as we love you so much, and once again, we are just always in awe of coming this day of thinking about that empty tomb and how you rose from the dead. God, as we hear, we take joy in your triumph. You hold the keys of death and Hades. And because of your work, we proclaim, O oh, death, where is thy sting? O oh, grave, where is thy victory? Your victory, O oh Christ, is eternal in the heavens. Amen.